Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord for us. Well, good morning, everybody. It's just good to be together this morning. Uh, I just want to say I've just thoroughly enjoyed our time together these past uh, number of weeks as we have looked at uh, the book of 1 John. Uh, And I just want to welcome you all back this morning as we close that series. And if you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you are with us as well. Um, Today, um, I would like to throw out a word to all of you um, that I think you're very familiar with, um, and that word is abundance. You know, we live um, in a time uh, where we are very familiar with the idea of abundance. Uh, Many of us live in abundance. Um, Think of the last time that you truly, and I mean truly, needed for something. And I'm not just talking about the bigger house that you want, or the car that you want, or the PlayStation that you want. When is the last time that you truly needed one of the essential things to sustain your life? It is really hard to think of a time like that, because for many of us, we have always lived in abundance. Like we, We've known nothing other than this idea of abundance, and we love that idea. We love having abundance. We like having more than what we need, um, and, and many of us work hard to have more than what we need, or at least we want our kids to have more than what we had. We seek this idea of abundance. And you know, Jesus offers us abundant life, which is the name of the message this morning. Abundant life. Maybe maybe I'm painting with a pretty broad brush here, and some of us don't really know what it is like to live in abundance. Maybe for some of us, that isn't the way we were raised. Like we... Maybe for you, you struggled to have some of the things that you need. And and this picture of abundance is just a little bit hard to grasp. Uh, But no matter where you are this morning, I hope to communicate what great hope that we have if we follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior this morning. And again, hope is another idea, another word that is sometimes hard to grasp in our world. Because sometimes there just doesn't seem to be much hope. Like especially when we're going through something painful or difficult, hope is really hard. And you may wonder to yourself, why why are bad things happening to me? Like, I don't understand. I don't have any hope in any of this. Like, when we are suffering and in pain, hope is sometimes difficult. 
I do believe that Jesus sees us when we are in that. And I, and I do believe that he cares for us in that. But sometimes we just ask ourselves, you know, why are bad things happening to me? Why do bad things happen in this world? I don't really understand why this is going on. Well, you know, and sometimes we blame God for some of those things. Like, what, what are you doing? Don't you see that I'm in pain? I need some hope. And maybe we think that maybe even in the midst of our suffering, God isn't even present. I want you to know that the scripture, the scriptures actually talk about a day that God has set aside where there will be no more pain and no more suffering and we will spend eternity with him forever. And that is the hope that I would like for all, all of us to look at this morning. So we are in the last week of a message on a series that we have been doing in First John. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to open it up to First John chapter 5. Uh, that's where we will uh, close out this series this morning. Uh, five weeks we have spent uh, studying uh, this epistle. And I really do hope that you have heard from God as we have opened up the scriptures and looked at uh, this book. For, uh, for the next number of weeks, we'll actually be looking at Second uh, John and Third John. And I really hope that you've actually taken the time to actually read through this, uh, this book at least one time. That, that's my hope. And, and hopefully, as we've studied it, uh, you've done that more times. Uh, there's just so much good stuff packed into um, really a short, um, a short book here. Um, and it focuses really heavily on the Christian life. And you can just tell, like as you read this, you can just tell that John had so much care uh, for the people that he was writing this for. Uh, he often uh, says, uh, my beloved, and just really references uh, terms of endearment for the people that he is writing to. And he focuses heavily on the Christian, on the Christian life. You know, a Christian's life, uh, it should be proof of their connection uh, to the Father. You know, our sacrificial love for others is a testament of our sacrificial love for God. Uh, and in this book that we've been studying, which forms the basis of this series, the Apostle John walks through several aspects of the Christian life, revealing where the evidence lies um, in our action in the aspects of Christian life, revealing uh, where, where the evidence lies in each of us in our lives. Do you, go, do you know God? Well, you can prove it by the evidence of your obedience. Do you truly love your neighbor? You can prove it because of the evidence in your sacrifice. Uh, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. 
That is really uh, what John wants us to be able to do, to, to look at this uh, book, to look at his writings here uh, as, as a way to see if we have some sort of living proof of the message that we have received. John does this over and over, uh, reminding us what it means to seek truth, uh, to seek love, and what it means to walk in the light as his followers. And we're going to pick up together in 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 11. It reads like this. It says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Remember, for the past few weeks, we have said that Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And the truth isn't this malleable thing that you can just sort of change to fit whatever you want. Jesus is the truth. And it's not, it's not about how sincere we are as his followers, like for, for our culture, there seems to be this idea that it doesn't really matter what we believe as long as we're really, really sincere about it. And, and basically, all roads lead to God. All roads sort of lead that way. So as long as you're sincere, as long as your truth doesn't conflict with my truth, like we will just see what happens at the end of this life to see if we all sort of end up in the same place. Because basically all religions are the same anyway. And as long as we're really, really sincere about what we believe, it doesn't matter. Well, this morning I want you to know sincerity will not save us. Just because you are sincere about something does not make it true. If you remember um, in the late 2000s, a show called American Idol, there were a lot of people that were there that sincerely believed that they could sing. They really believed that they could. And when they auditioned, it was rough, right? Like there are some auditions that will never, never leave my mind because they were just so bad. And it didn't matter how sincere they were it just wasn't true that they were good singers. And I, and I think to myself in those times, and this is totally a sidetrack, like where were the people in their life that loved them and cared for them and told them, hey, maybe you shouldn't go through with this. I know you're sincere about it, but you might not make it. If you do not have the sun, you do not have life. No matter how sincere you are about anything else, this is what he says. There is no gray area. It's pure and simple truth. Jesus is the truth here. John goes on in the next verse. Um, in 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John affirms to his fellow believers 
They have life if they have the Son. And I want to focus this morning on that life. For some of you here this morning, you really need to hear that. That if you believe in the name of Jesus, you have life. Like we as the human race are trapped in the wages of our sin and our death. And we, these broken people, because Jesus came down to earth and became sin for us after living a a sinless life became sin for us on a cross and died to pay for our sin. And defeating sin and death, he rose from the grave three days later. And we, this, this, this human race that are sinful and flawed, can now place our faith in Jesus and we can have life. We can have freedom from the sin and bondage that we have in our life. This is abundant life. Death has no hold on us this morning. Like you don't have to be under death anymore. He has purchased you and redeemed you as our loving Savior on a cross. And now we can spend eternity with Him. And you don't have to sit up late And wander all the time. Am I saved? Could God really do that? Well, the answer is he has already done that. But Jeremy, I'm really, I'm really bad. You don't really know me. No, he died for you. And now if you just place your faith in him, you can be saved. John is a big proponent of the assurance of salvation. In verse 13, we see this so that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants every believer, every believer to know without a shadow of a doubt where they stand. And this verse could really summarize this chapter, actually. uh, But we see this throughout the book. There are many spiritual self-exams that John prescribes for us. And these are ultimately meant to not discourage us as believers or to make us give up our faith when we see that a follower of Christ doesn't sin. No, it's ultimately because John wants us to pass all of these exams so that we can be sure of our standing with God. At the same time, if perhaps we have false assurance. God wants us to, uh, to really come back to the truth, to repent and come back to the truth, to be secure and not falsely secure in him, but to be really secure. And if you haven't yet, probably the best application you can use this epistle for is to do some self-exams for yourself so that you can be assured of your salvation. See, John wants us to use these tests and to repent if we fall short. He wants us to have assurance and security. So for the remainder of our time, 
uh, what I would like to do is I would like to point out three assurances that John gives us if we have placed our faith in Christ. And these assurances are for those of us who have placed our faith in Christ. Three assurances that he gives us. And we're going to pick those up starting in verse 14 of 1 John chapter 5. He says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. You know, John says uh, that, that this is the confidence that we have. This is what we have. That if we ask according to his will, he will give it to us. So number one, the first assurance I want us to look at is answered prayer. So following in the same line of being confident spiritually, John tells his believers that we can be confident in our prayers. And if you wonder, is God really listening? Does God answer my prayers he gives us the secret formula right here. Like, like how, do, how do my prayers get answered, Jeremy? How do my prayers get answered, John? Well, he says right here, if we pray according to his will. That's the solution we have for answering, for answered prayers. It's not complicated. It's simply pray God's will. That means to Pray what God wants. And in order for us to pray for what God wants, we have to want what God wants. Want to get whatever you want? Well, want what God wants. And that will happen. A great example of this is maybe for you, you're, you feel like you're stuck in a job that you just don't like. And you've been praying and praying and praying to be out of that. That you just, you don't want to do this anymore. It's just a dead-end job and you're just doing this day in and day out. And you're just praying and praying, God, give me another job. God, give me another job. God, give me something different. Well, maybe, maybe you're praying a little bit too much for your will to be done. So when Jesus taught us to pray... He said, God, let your will be done. So maybe, maybe if it would look a little bit more different, what if, what if a, pray would be, a prayer would be, God, help me to be content where I am as I serve the people that you have put before me to love them as you love them. And I'm willing to bet that this is a prayer that God will give you, that he will answer. Because it's for the things that he wants for you. God wants us all to want the things that he wants. And as we align ourselves with God, we will start to feel happy and excited when we see God's will come to pass. We will truly be delighted. Truly be delighted when we see God accomplishing the great work that he wants in our lives. Do you want to live an abundant 
life, pray like this. Pray for the things that God wants. And what an amazing idea anyway, that, that the creator of the universe hears our prayer, that, that he loves us so much. And, and what a, an amazing thing that is for us this morning. Look at verse 16 and 17. It says, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sins does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Again, right here we see John promoting prayer for the things according to God's will. And this is a great example of one of these instances. I do just want to take a minute to just talk about uh, sin that leads to death and sin that does not lead to death, because I'm sure that that seems like a confusing idea. And there's actually a little bit of mixed opinions on what John is actually talking about here. And I'll present both, and you can decide and talk about it over lunch if you want. Um, but I just want to talk about that briefly, um, and uh, and then uh, sort of move on to more of the assurances. Uh, the first opinion on sin that does and does not lead to death is that John here is saying uh, that there is sin that leads to death, not necessarily spiritual death, but physical death. So if we think back to Ananias, when he withheld uh, some, of the, some of the money that he got from selling all of his possessions, and God immediately struck him dead. There are those that would believe that, that this is what John is referring to, that these are the sins that lead to death, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily spiritual, but physical. The other school of thought is that John is suggesting that the sin that leads to death would be an open rejection of Jesus as your Lord. That this is the sin that leads to death. And as far as the sin that does not lead to death, that would be, that would be sins that you have yet to repent for. Sins that that you are still sort of working through and praying and repenting for. And again, you can discuss that over lunch, uh, but I just want to point out this prayer according to God's will. Um, like, and, 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 and as you talk about it over lunch, just align it with the rest of Scripture. That's all I would ask you to do. Uh, so the, insurance, uh, the first assurance that he points out is that God listens to our prayers. And most importantly, he answers our prayers. And the next assurance we have is in verses 18 and 19. It says, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to, to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We are going to call this uh, this portion here, uh, divine protection. This is what he assures us here. God protects us from the evil one. Uh, before salvation, we are under the control of the enemy, under his power. But after salvation, we are not. God's power protects us. Satan cannot possess us. The Holy Spirit now does. They cannot control us. We have the victory and we can do what is 
right. We can be free of sin, the sin that binds us. And we can say no to temptation because he offers us divine protection. And yeah, sure, we are still tempted and, and, and the enemy is still active in this world. Uh, but what implication does this have for our lives? Like, what should we do? Be bold. Do not give in to sin or return to our old bad habits. Make use of the resources that God has given us to cast the enemy's influence completely off. And at the same time, continue to be wary of temptation. Knowing that a cornered dog could be dangerous, but, but we need to live in freedom. But, but remember, we have come uh, from this life of sin and God now, as his children, offers us this protection. You know, the older I get, the more I just absolutely hate sin. I hate how it divides us. I hate how it divides the church. I hate the things that it does in my life. And I just hate the chaos that it creates. But it's amazing and so needed to have the protection of God that he offers. So take advantages of classes that are offered as you deal with temptation. You know, he goes with you and he goes before you and he comes behind you. There's never going to be a corner that you come around and God is surprised by by what's there because he offers us this divine protection and you can have assurance of that. So number one, God hears our prayers. And number two, he offers us divine protection. And the last assurance we have is unmerited favor or grace. Verse 20. We, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So we know that Christ came not because we deserved it, not because we were great, so that we would uh, know him as the truth. That is why he came. And we did not deserve this. Our sin caused us to deserve death. But he has assured us of this eternal life because Jesus came and he revealed this to us. That if we just believe in the truth, Jesus Christ, the way we can have life. He revealed this to us, this free gift of salvation on a cross. This grace that God offers us that we absolutely did not deserve. And it's not because... We're great, but because God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life and life abundantly offered to us, not because we're great, not because he needed us, but because he loved us and gave us this unmerited favor, this grace that we just did not deserve. 
So as we, as we land today, um, as we finish this uh, sermon series, I just want to use the rest of my time to just point to Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. And you know, I could never, I could never preach a sermon that was good enough to convince you of how great our God is. I do not even have the right words to even communicate that. But I want to close this series from one more portion of Scripture that John penned. And these are, these are Jesus' direct words. Um, so these aren't even John's thoughts. This is what Jesus had to say about himself. And it's in John chapter 10, verse 7. If you want to flip there, go ahead. If you don't, that's fine. I'm going to read it. Um, but as we close, this is just where I want to land uh, for us in this sermon series. You see, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees in John chapter 10, in verse 7. And, and the Pharisees are absolutely lost on what, on what he's talking about. They absolutely do not understand his teaching. So let's read this together. John chapter 10, verse 7. It says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you that I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Maybe for you, this series has revealed to you all of the ways that you have believed in things that were not true. Jesus says, I am true. I am the way. And those other ways, they are not the way. The enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I, I am the gate that leads to life. And he says that there is green pasture for my sheep. Come to me. I am the gate. And nothing you possess in this world will save you. Nothing you have only by placing your faith in Jesus. He says, I am the gate. And what do we do? And what, what, what happens? And like, what happens when we go through this gate? In verse 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Not halfway. Not a life that leaves us wanting more. But life abundantly. Church, are we fully satisfied with the life that Jesus offers us? 
Or have we become complacent in our faith? And use, I want you to use the scripture to evaluate yourself. God has given us this to measure our life. And, and 1 John does this so well. It just constantly brings us back to the truth. The truth will set us free because the truth is Christ. He is the door. And he gives us life abundantly, a fully satisfied life that God is wanting for us. Examine yourself this week. Jesus isn't just a great moral teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He was the truth. And he came to set us free, to offer us abundant life. So God, today, we are so grateful for your son, Jesus. The way, the truth, and the life. Father, there are times where we look to other things to give us life or significance. Father, forgive us for that. Father, this morning we we come back to you. Father, help us to examine ourselves this week. As John does so often in in this epistle. Would you remind us of your great love for us? Father, help us to love one another the way that you have loved us. I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.